Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. James goes back and says, listen, it's the book, it's the Bible that in the hour of temptation is going to help you. In the hour you go to the word and God gives you an answer. He gives you a piece of wisdom. You go to the book and you look in the mirror of God's word and you say, ah, now I see what's in me. Now I understand why I responded that way. Oh God, do a purging work on the inside. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and feet Sometimes it can be hard to understand why we are being tempted to sin. Today, Pastor Ed reminds us that we live in a broken and evil world, and that human nature is to follow the most enticing and most self-satisfying thing. God promises a better life when we follow Him, but that doesn't stop the world from bringing us every type of sin we can imagine. In those times of temptation, we can turn to the promises that are written out for us in the Bible and lean on God's strength to resist the sin. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. says in verse 14, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. The problem is within. The problem is in our hearts. This bent we have towards sin, this inclination to do what's wrong. That's what James is speaking of. He's saying the problem is within. How? I know that a trial can become a temptation to us depending upon our inward state. He was betrayed by those he loved the most. Those he shared his dreams with. It was as though they put a knife in his back and tried to destroy every one of his plans. He could have grown bitter. He could have grown angry. But at the end of his days, listen to his words. As for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That was Joseph. See, Joseph recognized in his trial that God was doing something on the inside. Now that trial can become a temptation When it corresponds to something on the inside of us that maybe needs change, that maybe God has to work on, let me ask you, what kind of inner disposition are you creating? What kind of inner disposition are you creating? Are you creating an affinity for sin so that when temptation comes by, you take it? Are you creating a godly character that when temptation comes, you run away? You avoid it at all cost? What we are doing on the inside determines what happens on the outside. And that's what James is concerned about. 
Are we developing propensities for sin? Or are we developing a godly discipline that responds to his spirit? That old song has great truth in it. Yield not to temptation for yielding to sin. Each victory will help you, some other to win. James says, look on the inside. What's going on inside you? Then he tells us, look at the process. He tells us to look at the source of sin, but then he points our eyes to the process in the following verses. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. He said, when you're drawn away by your own desire, God made you with desires and the enemy wants to pervert them. God gave you the desire for companionship. And the enemy would love to take and have you misuse that desire for companionship. You've been praying for a while for the right person in your life. And it seems like the answer isn't coming. And so the enemy sends someone else along. And they say to you, let's move in together. It's only a piece of paper. Hello? Tell that to the police officer on Route 84 when he stops you. It's only a piece of paper, officer. I don't need a license. Uh, tell that when you're dragging the deer behind you and the game warden comes and he asks to see your license to hunt. It's only a piece of paper. Tell that to the interviewer. When you're interviewing for a position, ah, it's only a piece of paper. I'm in the school of hard knocks. That degree doesn't matter. There's that desire that God puts in your heart for success. The enemy wants to turn it into unbridled ambition. There's that desire in your heart that God gave you to eat well. God gave you a desire to eat. The enemy wants to change it into gluttony. See, the enemy wants to take the natural desires that are in us. Adam and Eve had a desire to be like God. And the enemy came along and said, listen, you can be like God if you disobey God. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. It's a deception. So he looks at the process of temptation. I like what Bruce Wilkerson says. Each temptation always preys upon a God-given desire and seeks to push it in one of two directions. First, by pushing the God-given desire to exceed its normal limits into excess. Second, by pushing the God-given desire to find fulfillment in off-limits area. He wants to push it one way or the other way. Look at the process. Evil desires. The desires are there. And the enemy wants to pervert them. And then what he wants to do, and he uses... Fishing and hunting terms here. He's taking the imagery and says, he wants to drag you away. What he does is he puts the bait on the hook. And that bait on the hook just goes past. And it, the fish sees it and leaves as a place of security under that rock or hidden in some type of reef or something. And it comes out and it begins to follow the lure. The enemy wants you to look away from God and look towards the temptation. 
He wants to focus your attention on the thou shalt not. The prohibition. Heard a story of a man who trained animals, trained dogs. This might sound cruel to you, but this is what he did. He would have a dog, and he put a big piece of red meat right there in front of the dog. And then he would say, no. And if the dog would look at him, he could overcome his instincts to take the meat. As long as the dog kept his eyes on the master. The enemy wants to take our eyes off the master onto that which he wants us to do, that which the enemy wants to ensnare us in. And so he wants to entice you. He puts the bait on the hook. He puts the cheese in the mousetrap. There's no free cheese in mousetraps. So he entices someone. He wants you to bite on it. He wants the desire to grow. Listen, it's not a sin to be tempted. Everyone is tempted. Sin comes when you bite it. I consider the conception part, and it's a picture of being pregnant. Sin happens when your desire meets the devil's will, and they come together. When your desire and the devil's will come together, there's a conception of sin. And it gives birth to sin. I think of the passage of scripture found in Genesis chapter 4 where Cain had anger in his heart towards his brother, jealousy in his heart towards his brother. His brother was accepted by God and he wasn't accepted by God. And God came to Cain and said, Cain, if you do well, you will be accepted. If you do well, you will be received. But sin is crouching at the door like a beast ready to take over your life. Cain didn't listen to God's advice. And sin leaped into Cain's heart. And Cain became a murderer and killed his brother Abel. Anger, jealousy, all sorts of envy came into his heart. And he was controlled by the powers of darkness. See, it gives birth to sin. And it says when it's full grown. Listen, the more you feed it, the more it grows. If you're in a bad place now, don't stay there. If you're in a place of disobedience, of out of fellowship with God, and you're toying with sin, get out of there. Get away from it. Run in the other direction. Because it says when sin is full grown, it leads to death. Some people are really dead spiritually, even though they may be here in this sanctuary. They have no sense of God's presence. There's no joy in their hearts. There's no answered prayers in their lives. There's no sense of walking with God and doing God's will. What James is telling us, it will lead to death. There'll be an inner sense that you lose the presence of God. Ultimately, it ends in the second death. Eternal separation from God. But here and now, there's spiritual death. You know how Eskimos wind up capturing and killing wolves? An Eskimo will take his knife and he'll dip it in blood 
the blade in blood, and he'll let it freeze. Then he'll go again and dip it again, and then get another coat of animal blood on. And he'll do it a third time until the blade is covered with blood and frozen. And then he'll stick the knife in the snow near sort of a herd of wolves. And he'll leave it. And the blade sticking up. The wolf will come along. He'll catch the scent of blood and he'll go over to that knife and he'll begin licking on it. And then he becomes more feverish and he licks harder and harder. Finally, the blade is exposed and he begins to cut his tongue and he doesn't even know it and he tastes that warm blood and he drinks his own blood and he winds up drinking himself to death on his own blood. Sin brings death. It doesn't bring life. Sin will always take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And so James is telling us, here's the process. Watch it. When you face temptation, you know what it is? Temptation is not a sin. It's a call to a battle. It's a call to a battle. When you feel temptation come, when you sense temptation come, recognize perhaps it's a trial that's gone awry in your life. Maybe there's something in your life that's God put you in a trial where you have to exercise patience and you have an unpatient spirit and all of a sudden you're tried inside and it becomes temptation to lose your temper. He illustrates a number of these things. He says, some people just talk their head off. And he said, be slow to speak, quick to listen. So he uses an illustration to explain what he's talking about. He shows us, and I close with these doors and I want to go quickly, how to triumph over temptation. The triumph over temptation. First of all, verse 14, take responsibility. But each one is tempted when in by his own evil desire. He's dragged away and enticed. If something entices you, begin looking on the inside. Begin examining your heart. Let God show you what's on the inside there. And say, okay, there's something going on inside here. God, you help me. You know, Bruce Wilkerson gives this illustration. I think it's real good. He said, two people go to the store. And one guy is sweating, pouring sweat down. And he's getting fidgety. The other guy's just shopping, going around, enjoying the shopping. And, and they're in a hunting store, not a... That's when men enjoy shopping. <laughs> or a gadget place, you know what I mean? So he's shopping. He's doing the other guy is sweating and just growing sort of anxious. And the one guy says to his friend, he says, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. What's wrong? He said, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to shoplift. I am so tempted to put those things in my pocket and to steal and to run out of here. And he said, where's the problem? It's within the person. Two people go into a hotel. One man in one room, one man in another room. The other man begins to sweat as he's tempted to turn on pornography. The other guy just goes to sleep, doesn't even bother with the TV. It's the same TV, same thing there. It's something within. And James says, take responsibility for yourself. Don't put it on anybody else. 
Don't point any fingers anywhere else. Recognize when something has gone awry in your heart. Then he goes on to something else. Guard your heart. In verse 14, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. You have to guard your heart. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. Guard your thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Everything you do. Everything you do. We have to guard our hearts. If you want to overcome temptation, recognize that you're going to have to guard yourself. Then, focus on God's character. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Every good and every perfect gift is above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Notice this, every good, every perfect gift. What does that verse have to do with temptation? Well, the enemy tempts us to go and do things our way. Like Frank Sinatra saying, I did it my way. There's that rebellious streak inside of all of humanity. I want to do it my way. And to meet our needs in our own way. And when that temptation comes, you have to say, wait. God loves me. He cares for me. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Anything the devil has to offer me isn't worth it. It's only a deception. It's only going to destroy. It's only going to hurt. Every good and perfect gift. Sometimes you feel like you're in a war zone and the bombs are being dropped by the enemy. A trial here, a trial there. They're exploding all around you. But notice what the text says. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God's parachuting down to you. Good and perfect gifts in the midst of that trial. He's parachuting down to you maybe the grace and the wisdom you need to deal with that situation. He's parachuting down to you the sense of his presence or a battle plan to fight the enemy of your soul. See, God is watching the battle and he wants to give you the ability to overcome all of the strategies of the enemy. Everything that Satan might plan against you, he wants you to overcome. And when that trial becomes a temptation, somehow it moves into the temptation phase and you're tempted to distrust God. You're tempted to go off in unbelief. You're tempted to somehow lean upon the arm of flesh. You're tempted to go this way or that way. At that moment, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. God is going to give you a gift in that moment that's going to help you get through that hour of need. Then, four, utilize his word. In verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. If you read that context, if you follow it in this portion of scripture, he, he talks about all of a sudden God choosing to give us birth through his word. What is he talking about here? He's saying that you were born again when the gospel was preached. It's the power of God unto salvation. When this word was preached, it had great power. It transformed your life. You became a new creation. And that is how God sustains you. That is how God keeps you. See, if you go to the word, you're going to be able to see, huh? Boy, this is what's inside of me. Boy, I didn't know that was there. God, thank you for showing that to me. My wife's been telling me that for a long time, but now I see it here. <laughs> Amen from the women. 
But that's what the text means in James 1.21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. James goes back and says, listen, it's the book, it's the Bible that in the hour of temptation is going to help you. In the hour you go to the word and God gives you an answer. He gives you a piece of wisdom. You go to the book and you look in the mirror of God's word and you say, ah, now I see what's in me. Now I understand why I responded that way. Oh God, do a purging work on the inside. See, James is saying, go and trust God in the midst of the temptation, in the midst of the trial. You need to do something else. Pursue your appointed destiny. In verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Uh, The first harvest belonged to the Lord. It was the first fruits. The first of our income belongs to the Lord. Our tithe goes to him. It's supposed to be the best we have, the first we have. And Christians are, in a sense, God's redeemed people. They've been redeemed. And God is saying, you are my first fruits. You're the crowning work of my creation. Focus on your destiny. Focus on what I have planned for you. Don't settle for the low life. Don't settle to walk at a distance from God. Don't settle for the superficial. Don't settle for that which God doesn't have for you, but have a thirsting for God and say, God, you've called me to be the first fruits. And finally, lastly, remember your future. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial when he has stood the test. He'll receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Some trials that you will go through cannot be explained in this world. Some things that you walk through in this life, you may never have the answer for. Some difficulties may actually be so extended through your life that it may consume so much of your life. But I want you to know that we're not living for this world. We're living for a world to come. And as soon as we remember that, that we're headed towards heaven, that we're serving God, and someday we're going to receive a crown of righteousness, that we're focused on our destiny. See, what's happened is our society has taught us that God needs to gratify us today because the culture has influenced our theology we have a theology that says that God's going to meet my every single need every single whim whatever I want he's going to do that just isn't the way it happens beloved that's not the way it happens in a believer's life we have to focus on reality and reality is that we are headed towards heaven and we're living in an alien world and this world is not our home it's not our resting place it's not our final destination it's heaven hallelujah Beloved, God is calling us, if we're going to be more than conquerors through Christ, who strengthens us to focus on our destiny. Someday, the race will be over. The war and battle will be done with. And we'll stand before Almighty God. And in that day, in that moment, if we've endured and we've overcome, will be accepted and received and blessed by God for all eternity. Don't live for the moment. Live for eternity. Keep heaven in your mind. Keep heaven as your destination. That's going to help you in the battles and that's going to help you in the conflicts. 
keep it ever before you, Christian. Let God do a work in your life. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? These words from the book of James could lead one to believe that we must earn our salvation by good works. Pastor Ed will tackle this difficult subject and more as he teaches through the book of James. We'll learn that works are the result of faith, not the other way around. Although building in faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series through the book of James, right here on Building in Faith.